In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betch Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betch Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and U.S. politics and U.S. sports. And American mm-hmm. football is the it girl. Well, is it the it girl of the hour? It's trying to be. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, we'll get into it, but I feel like Rihanna is the it girl of the hour, but American football helped. They helped to create that environment in which she could be that girl. We do owe them that. So, of course, a brief synopsis. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Philadelphia Eagles last night after the former broke away with a late game lead. This always happens to me with the Super Bowl where like I leave at halftime because I'm like, I'm not paying a million dollars for an Uber that's going to take an hour to go home after this. I've already been away from my dog too long. I've said hello. My social battery is out. I'm going home. But every single time, <laughs> then, then I start like doing my thing and then I get a news alert that the other team came back. I guess this is sports. I guess it's the magic of sports. Yeah, I was at a uh, very much Eagles-centric party, so things started out feeling very good, and and the the vibe shifted midway through. Um, I know my my husband is a huge, huge, huge football fan, um, mostly the Packers, but he was rooting for the Eagles in this one, and his kind of takeaway was that it was like a really, really, really good game. Like the type of game Mm -hmm. that he wants to see for the Super Bowl, where they're going back and forth. It's no, it could be anyone's game. And then that he felt kind of deflated at the end because a ref made a holding call that impacted the game in a way that led to the chiefs winning. As far as Mm -hmm. I can tell on Twitter, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not that was like cool to do. But at my Eagles centric party, everyone was very, kind of like deflated by that. And it felt like the game kind of ended on a like, eh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not for, Oof. I'm sure not if you were a Chiefs fan, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were some Chiefs fans that felt a little guilty. It was like, Oh no. Oh, that had yeah. like some empath somewhere. Yeah. And also I think that just the general, like, I know that the point Danny was kind of making was that he was like, I mean, the Chiefs were probably going to win. They were in a really good position, but it feels like they could have won in a more exciting, fun way than how it ultimately ended up shaking out. Yeah. I mean, that's how I always feel. And listen, I know soccer is the beautiful game, the original football, but when it does come to shootouts, unless it's been like an amazing – listen to us, Elise. Listen to us. Unless it's been like an amazing game – like it does feel a little bit annoying if it's just like nobody scores until the penalty kicks and then it's a, but of course a great win. I think um, 
obviously apart from Rihanna before we dive in there with someone who's going to join us, uh, the the mom who had two brothers I think was definitely the delight of the evening, oh, the other yeah. it girl. Yeah. Her little like – she had a special jacket made that was both so half cute. eagles, half chiefs. That's just cute. I was telling you the most shocking thing about that story is that those men are – 33 and 35. And I know that football players can track older. I know that all athletes can potentially track older. I know that Tom Brady was like in his 40s. But the fact that people are age and older are still getting hit for a living. And I like I, – I hit my head on the dryer every time I do laundry and it lays me out <laughs> for a week. My foot started clicking two weeks ago <laughs> and I don't do any – I don't do any activities. So – who, we don't know why that's happening, um, <laughs> but God bless them. I mean, if if you can keep going, keep mm-hmm. on going. Yeah. Were there any commercials that made a big impression on you? You know, I honestly felt that the commercials were a little lackluster this year. Were. Personally, um, I will shout out uh, the Virgin Voyages cruise commercial, which was written by a friend of mine. So that was like, I was like, oh, wow, my friend's cool. commercial. That so is that very cool. cool. That was very cool. Um, but I would say as far as impact and impression, I do think it's wild that there were two commercials for Jesus and one for Scientology. I'm like, <laughs> I felt like the, te- I think that like the value of a Super Bowl commercial has changed a lot. And so the types mm-hmm. of advertising you see on them are really have changed so it's like I'm like really psoriasis cream for a football commercial or like Tubi was really coming in hard for a lot of these and then Fox News did one for like Greg Gutfield's yeah it's like comedy weird conservative comedy show show. um so I did think the ads were like kind of I had like whiplash from the ads but the two Jesus ads and the Scientology ad I think were the standouts for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely I was trying to warn a lot of people about the Jesus ones because much like Scientology ones, they can kind of get you at the beginning. They're like, are you sad? Are you – do you feel dissatisfied with life sometimes? Are you suffering from existential ennui? And they have all of these like cool characters. But this one – and then this one was like, you're just like Jesus. It's like, eh, I don't (laughs) – I don't know. We, you guys are on the books, both of you doing some stuff that is that is explicitly not Jesus-y. But, you know, we've gotten through the men of the evening, the football players and Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> and L. Ron Hubbard. And, oh, exactly. Oh, my God. Also never forget. Sorry, L. Ron. Sorry. Sorry, L. Ron. But, you know, I think uh, now on to the moment that I think 70% of our audience was tuning in for. It was, of course, the Rihanna performance. And for this segment, we are joined by Keisha Toussaint, Betch's Senior Manager of People and Culture. Hi. Hi. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Happy uh, Rihanna Boxing Day. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's such an epic moment. To, like, it really is. It was such a vibe. Yeah. We just finished talking about the commercials and and resisted talking about the performance until we got you in. So we yeah. we of course I wanted to get your reaction because like I've I've Instagram stalked you and Keisha, I'm pretty sure you like you exuded Rihanna pregnancy energy, I think, before Rihanna ever got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, you know what's crazy? Cause like when I remember when like when I was pregnant with my son, I kept it on the low. Like I'm not really like a public person to be like, oh my God, here's the first sonogram and I'm like two weeks pregnant. Like I waited until my entering my third trimester, my last trimester, to share like my pregnancy. So people are like, Keisha, when were you pregnant? 
I'm like, yeah, like surprise. And I think uh-huh. kind of like what helped with that because the pan- we were in a pandemic. So we were just entering that. So I was just like, you mm-hmm. know what? But like just the resilience and just being being you and doing what you got to do. You got to grind. She's a mom. I'm a mom. Having a business, working, like all of that encompassing. I'm channeling my, my inner Riri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's kind of sort of what I want to talk about because like we all, you know, bore witness to that long-awaited performance. It was by all accounts a revelatory performance. She hasn't released an album since 2016 or performed yeah. nationally since 2018. She's mm-hmm. since become a mother once. And she, of course, announced she's pregnant again during the show. And right. this was not a Beyonce end of the performance reveal. This was right. an immediate reveal. But I'm curious, what were the reactions like? I was definitely in a room of mixed company where people, nobody wanted to be like, yes. oh, she's definitely <laughs> pregnant. What was, yeah. the rea- what was your reaction, Keisha? Were you like, oh, I've been pregnant. She's pregnant. I was, cause when I was like, I was like, wow, there's a lot of like 3D effects around the stomach area. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, there's no way. Like she's pregnant. Like I didn't even think that. And like, she didn't do it in a way to be like, you know, like, um, I don't know when Beyonce did it. It was like during a Grammy. So some of the VMAs. Show, yeah. That love on top. Right. And then she opened up a shirt and rubbed her stomach. Like Rihanna didn't do nothing. Like she gave us like hints, like when she like hovered over her stomach real quick, was like almost grabbing her crotch, like trying to keep yeah. it like sexy, you know? So I was looking, I'm like, yo, like there's no way. I was like, there's a possibility. It could be a postpartum body, but she mm-hmm. had her baby like two weeks before Quincy came. And um, then I'm like, nah, she gotta be pregnant, but she didn't say it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I think she is pregnant, but I'm going to wait for her to come for her. I'm exactly. not going to say, oh, you're pregnant. And then, like, people going to be out here body shaming her. Like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> she just had a baby and she's still carrying the stomach. But she was petite. And I'm like, I didn't see that. But then when I went back, I was, like, trying to be, like, Miss FBI. I <laughs> her previous interview where she had this oversized, like, mm-hmm. Sterling coat. And I was like, mm. mm-hmm. I think she was, like, trying to, like, keep it on the low. So that was like the perfect, she didn't even have to say anything. She just was yeah. like, yeah, I'm here with my bump and y'all just going to enjoy this performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's hard to believe that whoever was in charge with the main camera didn't know because that was iconic. I mean, she she yep. like opened it up and then they immediately pulled back and she's on yeah. the riser yeah. and, then, and then it was off to the races. So, you know, I want to talk about kind of a few things with this performance. I want to talk about the power of her announcement on stage, the performance itself and the quality of it and kind of how those two things interact. So obviously, like you said, when you came on, you know, you saw that and felt like it was really powerful and spoke to you and a certain experience that you have had and kind of recognized. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, for sure. So I know for me, like, just like, you know, becoming a mom, like whether it be a first time mom, second time mom, you know, just like having that presence and just doing that. Like, I don't, we don't even know how far along she is, but, and I know every woman is different, but I know most women when they're going through their first trimester, just even if it's between like three and four, that first trimester symptoms Mm -hmm. is no joke. You're so tired. Your body is getting used to creating a human again. You're feeling nauseous, let alone being how high up in the goddamn sky. Like that was- and this is the thing. Any, we'll get to it. But anybody who's like that performance wasn't. She was in the in the sky. Exactly. She was in also, the sky. You could see that the way that that like platform was like weeble wobbling, and I was like, "It's better protected." Like I was getting scared because I yeah. have 
a major fear of heights. So even just like imagining standing on that thing, I was, that blew me away. Yeah. I was like extremely proud of her. Like just like how she did it. Just like she didn't even have to say anything. And she's like, I'm going to just let my body speak for itself and y'all going to figure it out. And then I'll confirm it after if I, if I choose to, she didn't even have to confirm it at the end of the VMA, but it went super viral and it was like the trending topic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she did that, but she did it so gracefully. Yeah. Yeah. What was your reaction, Elise? Oh. Oh, oh my God. Well, okay. I love the performance. I thought it was incredible. Uh, I mean, as soon as I saw, I felt like the costume, the way that it was like zipped down just enough to show the bump was me being like, I was like, this feels like this is a pregnancy right. thing that she's doing. Unless and not we're like, fully reclaiming the fupa like hardcore. Right. Which is if she, fine. Stay. Right. If anyone could I could do see it, her doing that. Yeah. Rihanna could do it if she Absolutely. wanted to. But I was, I was like, I was also in mixed company where everyone seemed really reluctant to be like, is she pregnant? Like what's going on here? But, and then immediately everyone's on Twitter being like, what's going on? What's going on? And Mm -hmm. so as soon as it got confirmed, it was like announced, but what I just thought was so, it was so, it was such a different vibe from her. Number one, like her discography speaks for itself. She didn't even play all of her hits because she couldn't even she couldn't even do all of them because right. of how like hit after hit she has provided for us. But the attitude that she brought, which I think some people who I don't agree with are like, mm-hmm. she doesn't, she seems like she doesn't care or whatever. I was like, no, this is someone who's like so in her power yes. that she's like. I can give a performance at the Super Bowl and I can do it cool and I can do it laid back and chill and I can do it like someone who knows that I should be here. Am I going to bring anybody else out? No, I'm not. I'm going to do the whole damn thing myself, even though I have a million features and a million people I could bring out. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it pregnant and I'm going to do it in a way you never seen Mm -hmm. someone do it before Mm -hmm. i just just loved it you're right and that is what we want from a super bowl performance actually yeah 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 like you said like i did see some sort of like i mean most criticism i read some reviews and some of the words in them were um i read one headline that referred to her performance as quiet quitting but that like that's fine because it's rihanna and then i I saw another one in new york times that's what i can say and i like (laughs) I wonder, I bet if you were in the stadium, the air part was probably even more impactful because she's like literally elevated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I saw another reviewer call it exactly enough. Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, it's like there people seem reluctant to consider how much she her pregnancy just added to it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like she still she did like at first I was doing the outline and I was like, Yeah, she didn't do much choreography. She did a good a, a good yeah. amount. And then people need to like understand, like it's not she's not like the Lady Gaga, the Beyonce, never the Halo. Right? That was never in Rihanna's like career to be like busting out choreographies and pop lock and dropping it. And, you know, that was never her thing. It was just like her attitude showing her Caribbean side, bust a wine here and there and then just keep her swag. But the fact that she came out seven years later to sing and she sound damn good. She sounded incredible. She sound incredible. And, and a lot of people was like, oh, the performance was like really underwhelming. It wasn't. I said, you know what? I feel like if like people like I'm, a big fan of Rihanna. I love her music. Of course, she's from the Caribbean. I'm from the Caribbean. Just seeing her and her element and also her 
knowing knowing that she's pregnant and how she did it. It was just graceful. Her dances gave extra spice to it. Mm-hmm. But it was exactly what was needed because I feel like people were more excited to see her singing and performing as opposed to getting a whole epic Absolutely. starlight show like a Bruno Mars would have gave us or a J-Lo would have gave us. I feel like it was just enough. And she did her thing. She dropped the mic and that's that. And if nobody liked it, then y'all go up on stage and perform pregnant. Let me see how y'all could carry our notes and keep up for 30 minutes back to back to back to back to back, please. Absolutely. Yeah, and also I mean, her ugh. dancers were really like, it's not like there wasn't really good choreography in the show. Yeah. And I felt like the moments where she participated in the choreography were so fun, but also mm-hmm. like her dancers were so good. There was, I can't, I forget what song it and was. And where do you they think they like get their energy her. from? Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where she was like walking and they were kind of like following after yes. her. Oh, and yes. I just, they were really good. Mm-hmm. Everyone in sync. Yeah. It was perfect. And I think, you know, as I was watching it and thinking about it, I think that like when women get pregnant, we have to continue to work. We we would like to have policies where we don't have to work mm-hmm. for a while after we have the baby. Yep. I, I guess wouldn't personally reject a policy where you don't have to work at all. But like, I don't know. I also don't like to like play into the idea that like pregnant women can't contribute to like society. So yeah. it's just, it's interesting because, you know, she, I feel like she announced this before she got pregnant. We've known about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really powerful for her to have been like, I'm still going to do it. Obviously yeah. people yeah. still obviously wanted her to do it and she's going to mm-hmm. do it in a way that is safe for her and makes sense for her and is still mm-hmm. like the most optimized, memorable way mm-hmm. that she could. Like she could like effort like if she put no effort into it it would have just been like her on a chair singing and we still mm-hmm. would have been like you can just tell that she considered her limitations yeah and she worked around them in ways to yep. sort of like make it just additive i just think that like it was like radical in that way yeah a hundred percent one hundred percent of course as people have said we're not getting an album anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I almost kind of thought it was like you might shock the hell out of us. Exactly. Yeah. She well, that's the other thing. What is? People can see. Exactly. The thing yeah. is, I, I think what we saw last night is that like Rihanna isn't giving us. She's not not giving us albums because she can't. It's because yeah. right now she's doing like, like I kind of wondered if her Fenty nose powder moment was almost even she's like a symbolic. So she was like, I'm doing this right now, but I'm always going to come back and deliver. Right. Like at the end of the day, I honestly don't feel like Rihanna needs to make any music. She's a self-made <laughs> billionaire. Like, yes. You think you really think we that are lucky? Gonna like give her extra bill? Like no, she's a self-made billionaire. She got lingerie, beauty. You know, she got her music. I'm pretty sure she's getting plenty of royalties to all her hit songs. Like mm-hmm. Rihanna don't need to make music no more. We were just yeah, absolutely. We were honored that she could that she even bothered because she didn't again have to. just going hit for hit and realizing truly how many like number one songs she has put out it's really more than like a lifetime of career for some people like her discography is chock full yeah to be like we said like to be in a room with i was in a room with a bunch of white guys mainly who knew every song the whole 12 minutes Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of other people kind of like in this country that can do that. Does does Quincy have a favorite Rihanna bop? Like which one got him the most engaged? Oh my gosh. So Quincy, oh, he's a dancer. So when Quincy was watching a performance, I'm like, is my is my son love struck? Like he was just <laughs> <laughs> to the TV. And so he's like, work, work, work. And you see him rocking his hips yeah. in on the chair. I was like, what a true Caribbean baby. If, yeah. My boyfriend's Haitian and I'm Trinidadian. So that mixture of that melting like cultural pot 
he got the he got the he got the ear for music. He loves music, so he was just so in love with that song, and he was just like super glued to the TV, like just amazed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it had the. I mean, that was also kind of a power move. She was like, "I'm gonna give them all of the lights because I know they like it." But we're not obviously not having Kanye here. No. She did. Uh, <laughs> she did something. One of her Jay Z ones, and like yes. Jay Z was there, and it was still. She it was still did all, it all of her. about herself. No features, yeah. and I honestly thought she was gonna bring somebody out, but I'm like. She don't need to. She got third. I'm glad she did minutes. it. We want 13 minutes of just Riri. That's mm-hmm. it. Precisely. That is it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Keisha. Before we let you go, tomorrow is obviously Valentine's Day, and I think we know somebody with a jewelry company. Oh, yeah. Y'all know. Let me say that again. <laughs> Betches always supports my brand. So Power by Melanin is my brand, of course, something that I started during the pandemic and absolutely fell in love with it. So um, it's all like tarnish-free jewelry, very much affordable. You could take it. You could bathe with it in the shower. Of course, who wants to take off their jewelry? Yeah, no never. green fingers or necks over here. So definitely check out Power to Buy Melanin. You could go visit the website www.shoppbm.com or check me out on instagram and see all the fun stuff awesome thank you so much keisha thanks for joining us this was awesome this is such a fun recap bye talk to you later Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Yes. And now some disaster. So a lot of you have been letting us know that you want us to cover this. And of course, it happened last week and we've been watching it closely and you know, all the major news outlets have been covering it. And today we're going to touch on it. So last week, a train carrying 20 cars of hazardous materials slid off the rails and caught fire in Ohio. So this was a huge crash immediately and threatened even a more dire explosion. The crash happened on February 3rd, at which point residents weren't given much information about the explosion, which they could like clearly see. The next day, a majority of the town's residents were urged to evacuate further from the blast. They were told, for your safety, you need to go farther away. So the mix of chemicals that have spilled are super dangerous. Uh, There's very long lists of them everywhere. I'm not going to debase myself by trying to read them. It was a huge process to remove and neutralize these chemicals to prevent a further explosion. Like there was a real, really dangerous risk that whole time that something even worse was going to happen. And, you know, it seems fortunately they did complete that effort and the evacuation order was lifted last week. But residents are wondering, like, why is it really safe for us to go back here? It really just means that the risk of explosion has subsided for the time being. We'll talk about the remaining risks uh, in a moment. But the super eerie thing about this, too, is that if this sounds familiar, uh, a similar fictional event took place in the same town in a book-turned-movie called White Noise. Some residents there in East Palestine, Ohio, were extras in that movie. 
and we're in so scenes crazy walking forlornly. I know it's like while all of us were sitting here wondering about how we would survive The Last of Us, it turns out literally white noise has actually fully just <sighs> taken place. Oof. I mean, especially when like I mean, we're not gonna get like tinfoil hat. I'm sure it was a devastating accident, but you know, we still don't know what happened here. Like, what exactly caused caused the crash? So people are wondering what long-term chemical threats remain in the environment. They have been told things are okay. The immediate threat um, is is not there. You you don't need to be evacuated. You can go home. But fish and frogs have died in local streams. Farmers have returned to incredibly grisly scenes of their livestock. Uh, people's pets have died, there are reports, and people say they smell chemical odors around town, that they're just nauseous and they have headaches all of the time. It's just unmistakable. Ohio's EPA does not know how much chemical is soaked into the soil or leaked into the water. And residents are really stressing this part, which is completely valid, that there's not a publicly released full list of the chemicals on board during the crash. Um, I don't know if that's information that they're still trying to confirm, and that's why they haven't released it. But obviously, people are not going to feel safe to return home. Those residents are really confused. They're scared. Some of them are preparing to leave with their families and their pets, some of them never to come back. But this is not a wealthy town. Uh, not everyone can move. Their livelihoods are severely threatened by this event. No trains are coming through, obviously, to sustain you know whatever economy they provided. And businesses are not getting many patrons. The locals are not there, and visitors are not coming. So lawsuits have been filed against Norfolk Southern, uh, who who ran the trains, accusing the company of negligence. And that company right now is assisting residents at this time. I only if you don't know that, like. And they don't. We don't know how long they're going to do that. But at, for, at this time, they are assisting people get where they need to go to feel safe. But just hard to believe. And I do understand why people were really flagging it because it's it's just one of those things that does strike you as I don't want to sound unserious as just so dystopian that is hard to process. Yeah, you know, this is something that I covered in the newsletter last week when it happened daily reminder to sign up for the Betches slash but, <laughs> uh, but it was something that I came back to kind of last night because um, had a bit of a social weekend. So I wasn't as like tuned into the news all weekend as I normally am. Then last night I was perusing Twitter for Super Bowl takes and I started just seeing a lot more people talking about this and flagging this. And I had not realized like the degree to which the situation had actually intensified. And like, this is a very serious environmental disaster that has yeah. taken place. Uh, that's on par with other really bad environmental disasters that we've seen. And I don't blame these residents for not fully trusting the you can return home order when by like the EPA's own admission, we don't know how much has gotten into the water and how much has gotten into the soil. And like things may seem fine now, but when we're talking about toxic chemicals, like mm -hmm. yeah. unknown exposure, unintended exposure can have major major, major health consequences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you were pregnant, you would, you'd get the fuck out of there as fast as possible if you could, if you even could. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the reason that there are not more answers is because people are still really carefully searching for them, not because people are trying to um, conceal something. 
But yeah. yeah, this is something that hopefully they're able to like identify exactly what happened and if it was negligence to ensure that that does not happen again. Because the thing about this town too is that like it's not a big town. It has the real potential, like some residents said, to become a ghost town. And like it makes you think how many – we we have a considerable amount of those. Just how many American towns no longer exist because of environmental issues like this? Yeah. I mean – this stuff is really, really serious. And, you know, it's, it's what freaking Aaron Brockovich was about and stuff like people, again, just the health consequences of something like this are really serious. And when we are in a situation where, you know, we don't exactly know the full extent of something, for an individual to say, like, okay, I'm going to risk it by staying or not, or, you know, some people don't have a choice. It's like, that is a really scary and, again, dystopian decision to be faced with. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So next up in news, this is not any brighter. <laughs> next up, and you heard it here second. So you definitely probably heard this uh, a lot last week and then some carrier over the weekend. We're going to talk about that medication abortion case that's coming through the courts right now. Healthcare providers across the country are preparing for a blow to abortion access that basically matches last year's Dobbs devastation. This is this is casually just sort of happening in the background. So a Trump-appointed federal judge, a real a real Trumpy one, loves religious liberty, real real solid background there. He may rule later this month on a lawsuit seeking to block the use of one of the pills used in medication abortion nationwide. A conservative group is suing the FDA and trying to overturn its approval of the medication. So the, the group is the Alliance Defending Freedom. Any bad thing the Supreme Court has done, they usually get them to do it. And um, they received a lot of support, actually, from the group that supports He Gets Us. So that hipster Jesus ad is also trying Amazing. to get medication abortion. And trying to – remember that, like, Colorado web designer who nobody asked her to make a gay wedding website? But she's like, I don't want to. They represent her, Yeah. Too. So Amazing. this conservative group is suing that today, and they're trying to get it to overturn its approval of the medication, like I said. And the groups they're representing are mostly anti-abortion medical associations. And so they claim the FDA never should have authorized the medications. They just claim they didn't, they didn't, they weren't thorough enough. They did the FDA didn't do their job. 
Mifepristone, and, and this has been authorized since 2000, Mifepristone is the first drug prescribed in medication abortion with the second drug, um, misopristol, taken 24 hours later. They are trying to present Mifepristone as like dangerous to women, but it is safer than Tylenol. Um, that's statistically true based on its use, but these groups are fear-mongering about it. They say the FDA didn't look into it enough. Um, they have concerns about you know, bleeding that the FDA has looked into. That is a part of how the medication works. The lawsuit wants a permanent injunction to be like, you know, the FDA had no right to ever approve this and they, they can't anymore. But the FDA warns that even a preliminary one where they say, you know, we're going to pause this until it goes to the next court, would pause availability, which would have dire impacts for abortion access. We are in a post-Roe world where there's no abortion in lots of places. People are relying on getting it sent. Medication abortion is banned in some places. So if suddenly, you know, one of the main most effective way, one of the most effective, most available way to end a pregnancy could be gone in 24 days or or 10 days, actually. Yeah, that's really terrifying. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, For political reasons. Yeah, it's really crazy. I listeners will know I opted for a medication abortion for my abortion. It was uh, a really amazing option for me to be able to just take the pills and do it at home. It's also just the most accessible option for so many people, um, especially in states where it's being banned and all of that. So, I mean, it is terrifying. It's especially terrifying that like a Trumpy judge can just rule on a medication, even though this judge doesn't fuck isn't a doctor and doesn't Ugh. fucking know anything. And there's no evidence that this medication is harmful. No, it's at all. all. It's absolutely all political. And medication abortions make up more than half of abortions in the United States. I believe it's about fifty four percent. It's definitely what most people opt for before ten weeks. Because you can go home. You don't necessarily have to like make an appointment and stay in the hospital. Um, you definitely need some downtime. But it's definitely a preference for a lot of people, especially who literally can't access um, an inpatient procedure right now. And ruling against the FDA would force abortion providers everywhere to turn to a misoprostol-only medication abortion, which does work. Um, it's used in some countries, especially where they also have to evade their laws and uh, they can't get access to mifepristone. But um, and the thing about mifepristone as well is that it has other uses. I think I think mifepristone might as well. Mifepristone definitely does. So it's less likely to be banned. Um, so it's like if their goal is to completely get rid of medication abortion, that's going to be a challenge for them. But still, we're talking about, as as we've said, an entire discipline of healthcare providers working together to try to find a less effective medical procedure in case a right-wing zealot tells them that they can't use mifepristone. It's like they take, they take an oath. Like these people are just trying to deliver fucking babies. And they're like, what's a way we can help women end their pregnancies without without like hurt, hurting them. And like I said, apparently misoprostol works on its own. There's It's more effective if you can have both of these at once. But it's just like, this is like, it just screams how much our society hates women. It's, and I mean, it is really scary the degree to which these people also just don't give a single fuck about the um, women's who are caught in the crosshairs of this. Because we have already seen women um who their pregnancies were non-viable uh mm -hmm. they were having complications with their pregnancy that made it 
unlikely to impossible for them to actually give birth to a healthy baby. And families have been harmed. Women have almost died. This is actually happening. One of Joe Biden's guests at the State of the Union, the one that we were all kind of weirded out that he didn't shout out, was a woman who almost died because she couldn't receive abortion care in a timely fashion. I was just reading a CNN article about a couple that found out that their baby was not going to be born in a way that it could survive. And the they had to go through the trauma of not only giving birth to that baby, but basically standing there and waiting for it to die of natural causes after birth instead of what late-term abortions are actually for, which is to spare both the mother and that baby that is not going to live the pain of that experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as you were talking, I, I looked it up to make sure amifepristone is also used for for medical management of miscarriage. It's like, do you people not know any fucking women? Like, would you look at your wife who's having a miscarriage? And like, if there's like, imagine that she could not get something because of you to make her life better. I mean, you know, I we say it all the time. We've said it at this show, but it is like, it's, it's handmade shit. It's just like, Oh, no, they they bleed too much when they take that. We don't like that. That's icky for us. It's just the lack of care and compassion that is so disturbing. And, you know, we want to say it's men, but there are women at the forefront of this movement, too, who, you know, for whatever reason, don't want to see the full womanhood of other people outside of themselves and can't see beyond their own experience. You've got your Amy Coney Barrett's who are like, what? You can just drop your baby off. Uh you can drop your baby off at the fire station. And I had nine kids and it's like you, these are people who cannot expand their understanding of life beyond literally what has occurred to them only. And Mm -hmm. it's really fucking sad. Like good for you that you didn't have an abortion or wouldn't have an abortion or wouldn't need one or blah, blah, blah. But like to live in a world where you can't fathom someone else's experience. I I just don't understand it. Yeah. I no, not at all. And it's just like I have I've just I've never thought about men's specific health care. It's not something I think about. It's not something I worry about. Like imagine if you and I spent all of our time starting advocacy groups to like cut off funding for Viagra or, or yeah like, or like or like Flomax. It's like yeah ban hacks. hims. Ban <laughs> hims. Ban it. <laughs> oh God. Jesus. Oh anyway. So some more some more about this. Like we said, this is this is chilling. And were this to happen, so People could, you know, find ways to manage medication abortion with misoprostol only. And people would also potentially require more surgical abortions, raising waiting times and necessitating more resources. Another um, just disastrous little fucking wrinkle here is that one of the main drug companies that makes the medication only makes that medication. So if they can't sell it, they might have to go under. And then we've got no supply. Like this, it could happen in the weeks where it's sort of paused. And so I think because of that company's filing, I think they basically said this, the judge told the anti-abortion groups that they have until February 24th to respond to that. Um, so they have until then, but as soon as they respond, the judge can can rule. And like I said, this is something that, uh, you know, if you follow healthcare providers on Instagram, they are, they are preparing, they're letting you know where you can order it. Like, you know, the... A doctor that was at the White House and me, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, she's amazing. And she just made a video 
um, and it went pretty viral, which is good about, you know, just things you, you should have, you should have emergency contraceptive in your cabinet and maybe you should have mifepristone and misoprostol. And as much as that's like, oh, wow, like we're really there. Like you do kind of have to get abortion ready before you need one these days. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's plan C pills is a good yeah. source and hey, yeah, to plan try C, to find hey, them. Um, it's worth looking into. Yeah, and I hope that when we do have to share those resources that Instagram does not suppress them. Because if you put the word abortion on anything these days on Instagram, it's invisible. We're going to round this out with a Republican you not, and we're going to talk about one of those those complicit girl bosses. We're going to talk about Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, Mm. can you not try to be our first female president? I would really rather it not be you. Nikki Haley's back. Okay, thank you. I don't think so either. I'm here to say. I'm I'm not certain it won't be a Republican, but we're thinking we're fairly confident it won't be Nikki Haley. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who told Nikki Haley that she could be president. Someone told her this years ago, and it really uh, made an impact on her. I see zero appetite for that among the Republican Party, whatever. I do have the same fear as you that maybe our first female president will be like a Margaret Thatcher situation and she's like mega conservative, but I don't think it's Miss Nikki. You're so right. I mean, we've been talking about the political for the political future of Nikki Haley for probably three years and she's not really done anything interesting or like politically um, like politically savvy in that period of time. So yeah, no. I, I'm fairly confident it, it won't be her because she doesn't really stand for anything. The former, so she was of course the, she, her PAC released a new ad touting her foreign policy experience as ambassador to the UN under Donald Trump because the former South Carolina governor, she's going to announce her 2024 candidacy in Charleston, South Carolina on Wednesday. Her early entry is likely an attempt to sort of get in early to consolidate establishment support before people like Mike Pompeo. This is this is the list of people that apparently think they're in the in the running. Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, and Tim Scott, <laughs> uh, fellow fellow South Carolinian, Tim Scott. So she's thinking, I'll get in early, and all these Republicans who hate Trump but still really really don't want to pay taxes or be nice to gay people can vote for me. Haley is fifty one, and she has gone from denouncing Trump in twenty sixteen as a white supremacist apologist to serving in his cabinet. And even after the insurrection, she said she'd support Trump if he ran in twenty twenty four. So this is kind of weird. She only started these kind of gesturing towards a run after a lot of Trump's candidates lost in the midterm. So I guess she thought the fortunes were shifting. She would be, I believe, the Republican Party's fairly certain first woman nominee. And I believe one of its first women, definitely its first woman of color. And her parents were immigrants from India. Any article about her uh, stresses that they were legal immigrants from India. And, you know, like I said, it seems like she might provide, what she thinks she might provide is kind of a permission structure for establishment Republicans to return to the party or feel like they can vote for a Republican for president who might not like a Ron DeSantis, they might even sort of feel like she's imbued with kind of like a somehow represents progress. So maybe that's the yeah. idea. But I don't know if people are really going to if, – if those people are going to embrace her as the one. My thing is they do like Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah. Like if they don't like Ron DeSantis is a big if. They do – he's already doing that even though he's as – his policy-wise, he's as horrible as Trump. He is the one. That they are already looking to to do. Yeah, he's all the Trump of that. alternative. He's the Trump alternative because he is ever so slightly more just like 
professionally normal in his behavior. I do wonder what will happen to his popularity when his whiny ass voice becomes <laughs> known to the west of the world. And he has um, to start. Remember his thing with Trump where he was like, well, I just don't spend my time criticizing Republicans. Bro, you're about to run for president. Yeah, exactly. You're about to run in a Republican primary. So <laughs> you will be spending all of your time criticizing Republicans. Not going to work. But yeah, I mean, I just think Nikki, Pompeo, Pence, all of them, they are running for a slot that is actually already occupied by Ron DeSantis. And I don't know, maybe some of them will get some traction. Who knows? They're usually in a primary, like kind of three top dogs that come out of things. Um, so we shall see if one of them gets any gets surprise traction. But I feel like people who want a Republican president but are sick of Trump, those people are looking at Ron DeSantis. Yeah. I mean, you you obviously know something that I think Nikki Haley and the people that are trying to support her don't, which is like, yeah, like you exactly like you said, they have their alternative. Ron DeSantis is like on the season of The Bachelor, like he gets the first impression rose. He gets every single one-on-one on date after that. And yet people are still like, maybe maybe I can still get in there. Maybe I can still yeah. get in there. And even if you do, they're going to dump you and it's probably going to – you're probably going to break up at the end anyway and we'll get four more years of Joe Biden. But Ron DeSantis yeah. is theirs. They've already, they've already, they've already chosen. I, we all know that it's Trump and DeSantis and fantasy suites. We just yes. don't know maybe who the, the – they're all competing to be the third person in fantasy suites. <laughs> Maybe it could be Nikki, but I don't even really think so. I don't know who she is exciting to. I mean, I think that she has a better either. shot than Mike Pence because no one's, I mean, her base hasn't tra- stormed the Capitol trying to kill her. So she does have that. She does have that going for her. Yeah. No one's actively called for her to be hanged by tribunal. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be it'll be her or it will be um the the other Republican scammer woman that we didn't have time to talk to about oh, today. Yes. But I really am holding out hope that uh I mean we, people were definitely joking at the beginning of this term that like if like Democrats could take back the house potentially just from like enough scammers. I don't know if that's yeah. exactly how it works with appointments, but I mean they're on their way. They're on their way. They're on their way. That is our show. Happy Valentine's Day, listeners. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. Until the end of Democracy, this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.